Welcome to the interview series, the first ever podcast by ICMP, the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance here in London. I'm Lara Magnelli, a member of the marketing team here at ICMP, and I'm your host. I'm back for a second season of interviews, this time focusing on our tutors, the people that make ICMP a pioneer when it comes to music higher education in the UK. Moen is a sound designer, producer, composer, DJ, and Ableton tutor, currently teaching on some of ICMP's evening courses and degree programs. My conversation with Wen was super inspiring as it revolved around their love of sound and creativity in all forms and the never-ending possibilities that these offer in terms of career developments. They discussed their experience as sound designer for theatre and live performances, as well as their passion for DJing and seeing people dance while feeding them music they never heard of. Are DJs real artists? And how does someone get into sound design? Wen answered these questions and also dived deep into the need and also the will to diversify their work and create more income streams, something that eventually leads to being able to pay in the bills with your own creativity by only doing something that you love. Finally, Wen shared their love and appreciation for education as a self-taught talent now in a position to share their knowledge. There is nothing that someone can't learn. Wen truly believes in this and tries to convey such message to students. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the interview series. If this is the first one that you listen to, why don't you go back and check out all the other interviews. There's plenty of stuff that you can dive deep into, whether you're a musician, a performer, a producer, or you're looking to become one, whether you're a student of ICMP, alumni, or just a music fan like me. If you're looking to share this with your friends, why don't you do so on social media and remember to tag us. You can find us at ICMP London across all social media platforms. Just to start off, of course, because I don't, I don't really know you and I, I just want our listeners to, to get to know you a little bit more. What's your, what's your background? Who are you? What do you do? How did you end up in the music industry? Um, so I think at this point, I would call myself a sound designer, a producer, a DJ, a composer. I think essentially, I, um, I just love everything to do with sound and being creative with it. So I'm kind of open to everything. But in, in terms of kind of the work that I've been involved in and produced, it would sit in those, in those categories. Um, and obviously I also like teach music production and specifically Ableton. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, my kind of journey in the industry is, 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 it's interesting to think about it like that because I don't think I had this idea that I was gonna like end up in the music industry. I think I've just always followed my desire to be creative. Um, and that's just over time morphed to a point where it didn't make sense to be doing anything else but being creative in, in, in the industry. Um, but to me, the industry is all those industries that I've just said before, like DJing, producing, composing, sound designing, it's all of those things. And it, at the core of it, it's just me being creative with sound. Um, but I guess initially, if I was to really dig back, it would be kind of when I was kind of much younger, I was like a session vocalist and a session drummer. Like my primary instrument is actually drums. Um, and I would perform in bands and we would kind of do tours and we would do festivals and all that kind of stuff. And I guess, and make albums and release them. And I think through that process, I was kind of understanding, oh, 
maybe I should do more of this. Um, but I've never, I've never had that kind of experience where I thought, um, for example, I have now got this music degree and I'm going to go off and be in this industry. That's not my journey. My journey has been more along the lines of, this is something I can't stop being interested and passionate about. I'm just going to keep doing that forever. And also my life is multiple different things. And eventually that just, that continual desire to keep being creative has just trans transitioned me into being in these industries um, where it became just, it didn't make any sense for me to be doing anything else. Cause in a lot of ways it was kind of just taking, it was wasting my time. I would just be like, I want to be creative. And there's all this opportunity for me to be creative. Doing anything else is actually like getting in the way of that now. Um, and that just kind of happened, that transition period, I'd say kind of happened subtly. And then one day I woke up and realized that like all of all I do is creative work with sound. Um, and I was like, oh, this is nice. I think I'm going to stay here. And that's where I've been ever since. <laughs> Makes sense. So you do a lot of things. So you mentioned, uh, probably you didn't even mention them all, but I just want to know what's your favorite place to be? if that makes sense. What's the world that you're most comfortable in if there's one, or maybe it's it's all of them, I don't know. Um, I think they, they all serve different purposes to me. Um, so my actual favorite place to be in the whole world is in a studio making music. That's, that's I could just be in a studio forever. I never get bored of going into a studio. I never get bored of like, making new things I never get bored of like playing with different instruments and playing with technical stuff I just never get bored of that I'll, I'll never get bored of that I don't think and that's where I find myself sort of like in the flow I guess you'd call it that's where I always find it's like almost there's a part of me that just takes over that's the best best feeling the best everything that's like my spiritual home but also I think you can't just like I mean you can but I personally can't just like be one thing I think that's just me as a person I'm just too curious and too interested um, and so for example I love DJing because I love to dance and I love to watch people dance and I love to just have a good time and I love to be like hey you know what everybody we're in this room together and we should just have a really great time so all I want to do is just see how many times I can watch you have a great time how many great things can I play that just like get you excited? Like, I love that relationship. Um, with things like sound design, I love, I love being part of a creative team, but like where there's, so when you're a sound designer, kind of in theater, you'll have like the lighting department and you have the sound department and you'll have the set and costume department and you're all creatives in your separate ways. But I love that trying to, sort of be part of a creative team that's not all the same person so it's not like being in a band where you all speak the language of music or like you're a visual artist so you all speak the language of I like that collaboration of how do we together make art uh, even though we're kind of trying to figure out how we communicate that even working with a director like how do I take your interesting strange directions like we need a sound that sounds like the future is imploding how do I make that into something sonic and like we've connected and you've explained something to me and I've made that happen. So there's like a challenge to, to work like that. And there's like a sense of me having to get clearer about how I communicate sound to people who don't speak sound. Um, so I get a lot of that from that kind of work. So they kind of all filter together. And I think from teaching, there's also this added aspect of me, well, two things, I guess, like one is the joy of, of kind of communicating to somebody else that, hey, great news you can do anything that you'd like 
one you can actually do this like 90 percent of what's going on here is mental blocks like like your your own internal psychology is telling you you can't do this and let's just figure out what that blockage is and let's move it and then you can do it and I love doing that but it also reaffirms that like it teaches me a lot it teaches me a lot about what I know and what I think and how I perceive my own art and my own artistry and my own creativity like it's, it's like a strange reflection that I that I get something out of um so I guess I couldn't just say one thing because I think they all help me as a person to kind of to figure myself out to figure out what I make to figure out what I do and to enjoy life and to like meet people and collaborate with people those are all like really basic human things that I need and it just happens I can kind of meet a lot of them through kind of sound and creativity um but if if I had to like hands down say where would you if you had to stay in one place forever where would it be I would be like in a studio just like in a studio with like racks of synths and loads of guitars and like all the best gear and just like playing for 48 hours non-stop maybe sleeping on a couch and then being like I've had another idea this is great just doing more of that I'd like that too (laughs) yeah that never gets boring does it but yeah I realize I just need to kind of space it out a little bit otherwise you know it's, I don't know, I think you need to have a bit of um, a bit of variety in life because then it also makes those moments sweeter if it's like you take a break from it. Oh, yeah, I, definitely. It took, me, uh, it took me a while to learn that as well, sort of like it, it's to my benefit to sort of do things and then withdraw and do something else because it actually makes that, you get the value back into how you feel about the thing that's amazing. Yeah, and probably looking at them from the outside, kind of. So when you're back... It's different. Is there anything else that you would like to do? Anything else that you haven't done yet in terms of like music and creativity and arts that you would really want to get into? Um, I think I think I'm always interested in everything new. Um, so I don't, I don't think I'm at my destination yet. I think um, I'm kind of crossing into kind of more sound art installations and more experimental stuff at the moment. Um, which I'm finding really interesting. So I think there's probably like a journey that I'll go on towards more experimental installation style sound art um, that's again, maybe collaborative with a different discipline. Um, so at the moment, for example, I'm working with like a sculptor slash visual artist who's also a sound artist, but I'm collaborating on the kind of sound part of their, um, of their exhibition. And that in itself is really interesting because rather than thinking I'm responding to say a script or um, something that's happening on stage or I'm producing for this artist or I'm trying to make somebody dance. It's trying to think about how do you make a sound, a sound work where you're incorporating the idea that different people are going to be walking through the space at different times and they're going to be engaging with different kinds of art. That whole world feels like a whole new discipline to think about. And I haven't really gone so far into um, sort of like, surround sound binaural kind of projects and things like that and that sounds super interesting I think at some point I'm going to wander into that land um yeah because I think ultimately I'm really interested in how sound all the different ways that sound can be like affecting to you as like a as a person but also as like a body all the ways that that's happening in the world I'm always interested in so I suspect that like as more people do more interesting things in that world I will want to just do them. And if 
you know, I'm, no, I'm never close to any kind of projects or um, directions because I just think, yeah, I just think art, art's not a static thing to me. So it's like, whatever comes up next, I'll probably say yes to. There's nothing I've been like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I just add things on. Yeah, I think I can't say specifically, probably something to do with um, sound in interesting space. I guess that's the way to describe it. Um, but we will see. We'll see what the older uh, career throws up. Which is, yeah, I mean, looking at it this way, there's basically so many possibilities. Like, there's no, there's no end to it, which is great. Talking about your work in, in the uh, theatre and, and live performance environment, I'd like to know how did you get into that? And let's say compared to, you know, a lot of our students, um, you know, tend to work, whether it's in a studio or just like performing, like, is it different? Like, what's the approach? So how did you get into it and, and how do you approach it? Um, I got into it kind of just quite by accident. I think there was, um, there was kind of, because I'm quite creatively out there doing lots of different things, I guess I have a network and this call for like, a composer sound designer kept like coming to my inbox from different people <laughs> I was like right I should check this out um and I kind of got involved in it and that was the first time it occurred to me that theatre land is what I like to call it had space for sound like I perceived it I'd never really joined that dot in my head it never really occurred to me that oh somebody writes and puts all that music and all that sound into those theatre shows like that there's a person that does that so I did, I did kind of this one show um, and then somebody else at kind of the same time was looking for a composer for something. And that again was in, turned out to be in theatre and it was like a kind of awakening, which was like, whoa, there's a whole world here. I remember at the time saying to a friend of mine, it's like a whole universe has opened up that I didn't even realise existed. Um, and then kind of one of those early shows turned out to be quite well received and started like touring. And I guess because I, when I started working on it, I didn't fully know theatre land. I didn't really get the lay of the land. So I just created in, in the way that I knew how to create, which meant that I was like in it and involved. And it just was this wild ride. And I just learned so much. And I just saw so many things. And I just found myself in the middle of this world. But off the back of that, I just kept getting more offers of theatre work. So I just kept just accepting them. Because I was like, this is really fascinating. This is like, what's going on here? I'm going to keep just saying yes and see what happens. Um, and I think in that journey, I kind of understood that like, it's, it's a place, there's, 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 there's different, there's, I think even in, within the industry, there's kind of different perceptions of what it is to be a theatre sound designer. Because um, you, have, you have some sound designers that are kind of more creatively focused, and you have some sound designers that are more sort of sound engineering technically focused. Um, so then ultimately for me, it feels like the perfect challenge because I, I like to, to, to sit in, in between both. So it's kind of, how do you do the creative process of designing a sound world for a theater show and you're engaged in the, the rehearsals and you're engaged in the whole process of thinking through how does the show sound? But then there's this other half, which is like, how do you technically make this show sound? Like what, what, what equipment are you gonna use? Where are you gonna put your speakers? Why are you putting your speakers there? Which speakers are you going to put where? What's the system playback going to be? And there's all this sound engineering knowledge that you need to step into, which for me, and, and it's not like it's always static because every show will have a different need. So then you're always having to figure out like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And it's like, 
it's like you it's the kind of discipline I mean you can choose to be one or the other um but I think if you, there's a real possibility for you to like learn so much if you choose to move down both directions at the same time as how do I do this creatively and how do I do this technically um and if you're somebody looking in if I if I was looking in from the outside um now I think the thing that I would have would have been valuable to know is that it's great if you know a bit about sound engineering it's great if you know a bit about composing it's great if you know a bit about um just kind of via yeah, composition and the creative aspects of like how you kind of support something that's not in one discipline how do you make a scene feel scary with sound how do you make a scene feel um elated and that kind of how what what do the different kinds of sounds evoke and how do you create a sound that I don't know makes people realize we've gone back in town ta- in time five years you know that that kind of challenge and I don't think sound design for me I don't think there's also like in theater there's ever going to be an endpoint because every show is different someone might say we you know we want to hear the explosion from upstage and then you've got to figure out and then on the next show they might be like oh we've actually decided we don't want anything other than it just it's such a challenging environment and you're constantly having to communicate with people that don't necessarily speak the sound language um, which is good for figuring out how you know what is my way of communicating sound um, and how can I make that as accessible to everybody which then in itself is like you figuring out how you think about sound it's just it's I think it's a really good place to be if you're kind of multifaceted um, and you like both the technical and the creative. I think that you're in a good place if you like both. And, and, and if you don't like both and you like one or the other, it's also an environment where people are, ha- are okay with that because you can say, I'm more on the creative side and then maybe the team can bring in a sound engineer. Then you work with a sound engineer and then you learn something. Or you can say, I'm more on the kind of engineering side and then they might bring in a composer and then you and the composer work together. You know, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a really collaborative space. And I think if you're kind of open and not afraid of that, um, it's a really good place to be. It's also terrifying um, because, yeah, because there's, po- there's kind of moments where, because it's all live um, in, in the studio and you're recording and you're, set, you know, you can spend 10 hours EQing that sound or you can spend, you know, you can edit your vocal or you can, you know, tune it. You can do all these things for hours in the studio. But in theatre, it's up, it's live, they see it, it's there. <laughs> you can't, once it's going, you can't stop it. Uh, the, the audience is there, you can see how people are reacting, and that's it. And I think that that in itself is kind of both its charm and its like most terrifying aspect for me as a creative person, because you have this kind of, in the kind of process, you have um, this series, for example, called like Preview Week. So essentially, you've done the whole show, you've kind of, you know, you've done what's called teching it together, which is like all the sound and the lighting and they all come together and the actors have, are on stage and they've experienced it all together. And then you have a series of shows that are open to the public called previews. And in that period, you're kind of refining, if you need to, kind of what is the show. Um, so anything that you have any doubts on, you might just see in stark realization in preview week. That was a terrible choice. But you have to have that moment in front of an audience, like inside an audience to like, and it's a really revealing experience. Like you have to be really resilient to that. And you also have to be very open to just being like, that didn't work. I'm going to try something different, which I think is really good um, as a creative person to like have that sense of like, sometimes things just don't work and sometimes they're great. And like, 
I've just got to roll with it. And I think, you know, quite often with like, if you get to be so detail oriented, like in the studio, you always think that the perfect thing is what you have to reach for because you have all the time. Nobody has to hear it until you've got the, but with theatre, you have to have a certain sense of, I just have to let this go because it's a living, breathing bit of art just like appears and then disappears and then appears and then disappears. Um, And I think that's like, it's a whole different connection to like the art that you make than I think if you're releasing records or if you, yeah, if you're basically capturing that in a sense that can be like repeated in, in one state is one feeling. But theatre is like, every night is different as well because you've made a sound design and somebody's actually like triggering those cues when the action is happening. So somebody could trigger that cue late. Somebody could never trigger that cue. Like the whole experience is an exercise in, oh, I think I just need to let this go. I can't have so much control over this. And I just have to trust that like what I have made will translate. Um, And I think it's a really good place to learn things like that, to learn a sense of like letting go of control, which I think can be very, very endemic in kind of studio-based work. It's like hyper control and like this, you know, it's, it's a real good sense of like, it's a bit like, when I do a theatre show, as stressful as it is, it's a bit like kind of shaking off some of my more intense um, perfectionist like tendencies. Because um, even this, the fact that you could you could spend, you know, a whole week writing a piece that you think really works and then you'll get to previews and the director will just say, I think we're going to cut that. <laughs> you, just, that you just have to let that go because you're in service to a bigger, higher art that's like not just about the sound. Um, and that's pretty good for your ego, I think. It's pretty good for you just kind of getting to grips with the fact that, like... I was going to say the same, the contrast between, like, being in a studio and looking for perfection, which is also, you know, I've heard people saying you have to let it go in the studio as well. Like, you're never going to get to... You're always going to find something that you don't like, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. But that contrast between, like, the studio work and, you know, the reaction from the public and, and also servicing... A different form of art like music is not the main character in that show if that makes sense I think the, I think an also interesting thing that they always say in theatre is like quite often if they mention lighting or sound you've probably done something wrong <laughs> which is really intense to think that like your job is best served when people just think the show is amazing and it's part of it yeah and it doesn't yeah. stand out. Yeah. It doesn't stand out. It's like, true, if, though. You know, it's true. Occasionally people will say the sound, you know, the music was the best thing about the show, which is fine. But nine times out of ten, you kind of just want to not fit. You want people to just be like, that was an amazing show. Yeah, you want it to blend in as part of the show. Yeah, which yeah. is a whole other concept. Because, like, you know, reviews will come out and your show will get four stars, five stars, and there will not be a mention of sound. And yeah. that means you've killed it. <laughs> Which I yeah. think is really True. ironic. True. It's like it's, a whole uh, As you said, it's really good for your ego as an artist, I guess. Absolutely. So if, let's say, a student or someone from, from our, our community wanted to get into that environment, the theatre and like performance environment, what would you recommend? Like, what's your best piece of advice? Just kind of being open to the fact that like, it's not going to be one thing. Because when you, when, you know, quite often when you're starting out, you know, and maybe you start out on shows that have smaller budgets, you might be the whole sound department. So you need to be open to what that means. Do I need to have a lot of information about mic technique, how to use mixing consoles, how to use, you know, the, the stock 
um, software that's used in theatre called QLab. How do I do that? How do I learn a little bit about networking audio? Because I'm assuming, you know, when you come from this background, you've already, you've kind of already got the creative side down. So then the question is more like, how do I apply the creative sound through the technical? Um, and I think starting off on like, there's kind of a whole world of, of theatre. It's, it doesn't start, it's, it's not in, it's not a monolith in any kind of a way. I mean, in every industry, you kind of have this idea of like, what a, what a discipline is. People think that like theatre is the West End, but it's like, to me, I think the West End is like the tip of a huge iceberg, a huge, beautiful iceberg of like theatre that's happening in so many different ways. It can happen outside, it can be happening in schools, it can be happening in like fringe venues, it can be happening in so many different ways. And just finding out where those different places are and kind of just getting involved in those smaller shows. Cause I think you, in, I also think this across a lot of different genres, but I think starting off in those smaller things where you actually have to do quite a lot is the best place to start because once you've been through everything that you go through in those kinds of roles, you're kind of set for how much easier life gets after you've done those kind of roles where like, actually I don't have to be the person on the desk with a bigger budget. I can just get somebody to do that bit and I can focus on the bit that like, you know, because those roles are generally just like too big, um, uh, but with a smaller budget, that's kind of fine. I think just kind of being open to this idea that you you might have to do a lot of different things and finding out what's happening on the fringe, like finding out what, what the smaller workshop studios are doing and also going to see a lot of shows because until I started doing theatre sound design, it just it just really didn't occur to me what the sound was just the sound world just didn't fully occur to me okay it which is you know obviously a product of great sound designers doing their job really great it's just me watching a show and never being distracted by the sound but then going in as a, as a sound designer I'll be thinking you know ooh, what you know what speakers setup have they got going on where did that sound come from oh how long has this sound been on when did it come in how long did it you start to think about the kind of the delicacy of like how a sound is coming in and out and how the kind of choices that people are making and like maybe like what does the sound be there's you can get so much from it when you go into a show with a sound designer's mindset like paying attention to the sound like even just like oh that person made an interesting choice that this speaker next to me is so loud maybe you know just those tiny little things it's like a great place to start like you're thinking and then when you get engaged I recommend just kind of like going around the fringe and sort of seeing what's going on and then you can probably I, I mean, I can't necessarily say that this is how it panned out for me in terms of me going to look for theatre work. It kind of came to find me based off of like the way that I fell into it. But I know there's just, if you network enough, there's always people looking for people. And so at some point someone might say, I can't do this show, but I know of this great person. Here's their email, here's their contact. So just kind of being in there. And if you're even coming from a sense from any kind of like sound background I think that's already a step in people will already be interested in giving you a shot just moving away from the uh, from the theater environment for a second one other thing that you do and you have done extensively is DJing that's also a sort of like niche in a sense in our community but I know that we have DJs and it's um and I would like to know First of all, what sort of like environments and, um, and you know, sets and genres you're, you're involved in, but also, yeah, what do you think about being a DJ versus an artist? So the sort of like DJ stigma. So, you know, people who are not involved in music would look at a DJ 
not necessarily as an artist, but I mean, I, I don't agree with this, but I want to know your take on this. So, yeah. So first of all, what sort of like um, stuff do you do as a DJ? And then what's your take on on being a DJ in, in these times, in this current era? Um, so I mostly, I'm, I like to DJ in clubs. Um, that's kind of my preferred place to do it. I like to DJ on CDJs in clubs. That's like my, my, my favorite stream. And I mean, I just, I know a lot of DJs who are just DJs in inverted commas. And I would say that they do something that not everyone can do. And I would say that they have their own sound. I would say you can book a DJ based off of their sound. Um, and I would say that, that they have a certain level of knowledge of audiences and what audiences want and they have a certain yeah they have a certain kind of intuition about what to play the good ones do and they have a certain ability to move people relentlessly sometimes against their own <laughs> against their own will like you will see somebody who's just like I would love to go get a drink but I just can't stop dancing and you know those are kind of the same things that you'll get out of being an artist and that you're trying to like do as an artist you're trying to move people you're trying to connect with people you know you're trying to like bring elements of audio together to have that effect um so i don't know why i don't know who gets to be the gatekeeper of like you're not an artist if you're a dj versus you are because we had there's a whole conversation there about like what does that mean so i don't think it's beyond reasonable to think of djs as artists I think for me, though, my personal approach to it, I don't think of it as an art form for me. I think of it as a game in a way. It's like a, it's like a game that I play with people sometimes that I really enjoy. And the game is how much fun can I and how much dancing can we do in this hour and a half or two hours or whatever that you have with me? Um, and also listen to all this great music. Have you heard this one? Have you heard this one? Like, it's, it's like, that's what it is to me. It's just like, a, it's like a, like my favorite DJ sets have been like, just whenever you, you like, you're just playing tune after tune after tune. And every time the audience is like, yay, yay. And you're just like, isn't this great? This is what we should just do now, everyone. Let's just do this for an hour. This is great. Have a great time. Um, that's what it is to me. Um, but I also know that, so like the way that I mix is very much informed by what I know from producing and like my audio knowledge. Like that's, I'm about, the, the, the party exciting like good vibes effect but I know a lot of DJs whose sets are magical they will be like mixing in here looping in there playing this they'll be doing it on, you know they'll be doing it on four decks they'll be creating a whole new artwork off of all these different pieces that they've got from different music and like you know I think that is artistry because they will create a whole transition that is a whole track that is just like intricate and interesting in itself and I'm like that's artistry to me I'm also more interested in kind of um underground I mean they used to call it bass music but genres are changing so much all the time I'm never really sure what anything's called but like I would say music that sits around like 125 bpm to about like 140 bpm that whole world of like kind of underground danceable stuff is the kind of stuff that I'm interested in, which tends to also be experimental in itself. Um, so kind of underground dance music is my favorite thing, as well as kind of like timeless 
classics. It's like I sometimes like to do a set that's like a combination of underground dance music where, you know, the music is just so great. Everyone loves it and everyone can't stop dancing, but like nobody knows who it is. And you're like, right, isn't that amazing? This is just so great. And you just don't know who this artist is. And then it, they'll be like a Whitney Houston remix and everybody knows who that is. But it's like, that's a timeless thing that can apply in your bedroom or in the club. And I like that kind of, I like mixing those things together. Um, like, I think I, I think the best way to describe what I would like my DJ sets to feel like is like a really great house party. Like that's kind of what I try and play. That's my dream scenario. So I like being booked sort of between midnight and 2.30 where everyone's like really ready. And I'm like, let's have that kind of raucous house party experience. Um, and that those a house party is never, you know, just like one thing. It's like, everyone's got the iPod and they're like, oh, this is this tune. And like, it's just a mishmash, but everybody loves everything that's being played. And then I try and like make that into a DJ set. Um, but I find that like within 125 to 140, I just, I just love that the music in those tempos in that window of tempos is like, I want to dance to all the time. That's usually what I play. Of course, being a DJ, working in, in theater, uh, working in the studio, uh, and you've worked as a session performer as well, like doing all these many things, I think it's also important from a, an income stream perspective. So I'd like to ask you, do you think that someone could only be a DJ nowadays, for example, or only be a session performer? Like how important it is to um, just diversifying your work? also from a financial perspective, like I, my understanding is that it's pretty paramount these days, but I want to know your, your take on this. Um, I think from my take, it is, it is how I do it. It has been important to me to realize that it is good to be, like, it's actually good to be diversified. Because I think when I was kind of, I want to say coming up, but that seems, <laughs> I'm not really sure how I identify with the idea of like coming up in an industry. I don't, it doesn't really make that much sense to me, but like through, I guess, the growth of my movement into the industries I think there's this idea that like you're just supposed to be like the producer that everybody goes to or you're just supposed to be this so I had to but I am naturally more interested in being multiple things um, so I actually had to unlearn for a bit that actually it's a good thing to be diversified and then in the end I've realized I was naturally like kind of I want to say like blessed to have had that desire because it has meant that I can just be creative as a career and it feels great. Yeah, I, I think I, I would say contemporaries or people who are like incredibly great in all of these individual like disciplines. I, you know, I have friends that are really amazing producers, that are really amazing DJs who focus on those places. And it means that they tend to have to separate their time between that thing and something else that they're not passionate about. Um, and I, I personally think that like that's, you can make that choice. But I think if you are open to being diversified, it's just a much more fulfilling way to be a creative because you're always you're always you're always being creative and always being creative I feel like it's like using a muscle um whereas if I'm like being creative like in one way and I'm now competing because I think in every different thing that I do there's such incredible competition um and that doesn't really phase me so much anymore because I'm like, hey, you know, you can do that theatre sound design show because I'm going to work on this film project now. Or, you know, you can have that DJ gig and I'll do one next month. That kind of thing. It just, I think, 
I think it lends itself to feeling also like a creative. I think it's good to feel like a creative all the time. If you are like an artist, I think there's something that gets lost and muddled up if you have to split your time. I think if you focus on doing one thing, think the likelihood of you having to do something else that you're not passionate about is like massively increased. Um, and I think, you know, to some people that's fine. Some people like to have that balance, like like to be like, I work part-time in whatever other non-creative thing. Cause sometimes that kind of counter counterweight is nice. But for me, somebody who just wants to just like enjoy everything that I work on. And if you want to just, or like, I think there's no like, greater feeling than I've, I've experienced in life than knowing that like all of my bills are paid from my creativity it's like that just feels amazing and it feels I just enjoy everything that I get out of life knowing that that's where it's all coming from is that like my creativity is capable of paying my bills that that feeling as an artist really makes you embody like wow I'm actually oh, yeah. a creative I'm actually an artist like and I think that's a really for me that's like the most important thing and I think it comes from being diverse in like income streams but all those income streams being creatively based it's like the perfect place to be basically <laughs> if you can make it work it's it's like priceless really something else that you do which I mean of course you're involved in so many different things but one thing that you also do is getting involved with initiatives and causes that you support so whether it's uh, supporting women and gender minorities whether it's supporting people of color and just in general, just using your voice for, you know, the people that not always have the chance to like use their own voice. Why is it important to you? And how do you see yourself as an artist and producer and everything you do, you know, having a role in this sort of like um, stuff? It just feels really natural to me because a lot of the, a lot of the communities I speak up for, I, sp I say speak up for, I think I just, I, I would say speak on publicly, I guess, in a way is because I'm part of them and it just feels really natural to just be in line with that and to support those communities and I also know somebody who initially wasn't couldn't quite find the communities that felt right to me or that I felt welcome in for a long time there was just a natural desire to like my response to things is if I can't find it I'll make it that's generally how it is so then I started so for example I started making kind of like queer events in East London and all these kinds of things um because I wanted to I wanted to find the community that I, I wanted to connect to and I think as I've just kind of gotten older and gotten more into these different communities I just I kind of realized that if if you have so I, I you know I've been fortunate enough to be able to just kind of like teach myself all these different things like I seem to be able to like teach myself skills um, and then I realized I'm also capable of finding ways to share those skills with people um, and then I realized people seem to be looking for someone who feels and looks like them to teach them things because that makes it easier to go through the process of like removing the barriers that come in from kind of learning new things. Um, and I guess as I've become more and more aware that I have something to offer my community, it just feels like it's important to just be like, that's what I do, that's what I'm interested in because I just want I remember the sense of feeling like there was nowhere for me to fit into and nowhere for me to go and nowhere for me to learn, nowhere, feel, always feeling a little bit like marginalized essentially. <laughs> um, and so I just, I think it's really important for all like remembering the experience of feeling incredibly marginalized and outside of something to just always be like a kind of sense of a beacon being like, 
there's always going to be someone here like around there's always someone available and this person will teach you what you need to know and that kind of stuff it's like I guess it's hard to describe but it just it feels it feels important to be visible I guess is what it is I think it feels natural and important to be kind of like a, a beacon in some kind of a way or to just be visible because I remember looking for that visibility when I was younger and never seeing it and I think when you realize that you're in a position to be visible it's almost like a responsibility to be visible um and then it just comes quite naturally to me as well uh because I just kind of exist authentically I guess and that authenticity just you know means that I will naturally support causes I will naturally speak on certain things because it just makes sense to me I tend to just like be like oh obviously I would work on that show obviously I would be in that group obviously I would talk about that um and I don't I think people see kind of like visibility as this kind of radical thing but I think when you kind of are authentically yourself living as a marginalized kind of person everything you do is kind of seen a bit as a bit like a radical call to something or other for me it's like I'm just living and being an authentic and that that's what these things are it's just like a natural reflection of kind of who I am and who my communities are and what I'm invested in supporting it's like just part of my being and it would just naturally come out in the way that I operate in my art and I'm, I'm guessing this is also something that you're you know as, as part of your teaching experience also at ICMP probably you're trying to convey so I my next question wants to uh, to focus on your role as an educator and how important is it for you to to have that role and and what do you um what are you taking from it as well? Because of course you're teaching, but you're probably also learning as well from uh, from young and not necessarily young, but definitely like students, like people learning. And um, what's the sort of like thing that you would like your students to take away from their time with you? Teaching in itself has been like a massive revelation to me kind of throughout my whole career because everything that I know from my creative work I essentially taught myself. I didn't go the traditional route of like, I've got a music degree, I've gone to music college. Like I learned everything from doing. I learned from being in band, I learned from being a session musician. Everything that I do, I just was like, I'm gonna do this thing. And then I just like did it and learned it. So the idea of kind of finding myself many, many years later, realizing that this, this desire to just figure things out has actually meant that I actually have a huge amount of knowledge that is all that I would have learned and more if I had gone those traditional routes. That's been a real revelation to me as like a person who just kind of has just followed this desire. Just been like, I'm just going to do this creative stuff all the time. I can't stop being interested in this. Um, so it, it's given me as a personal person, like in my person, like a sense of, wow, you actually created a thing for yourself out of like nothing essentially that's kind of amazing that you just were like I'm gonna do this and you managed to just keep doing that for like this long for like years and years and years you just never stop it's kind of giving me a sense of like I have some sense of like staying power and consistency and dedication which you know I in any other way in my life I just don't see myself in that way I see myself as like quite flaky and a little bit all over the place but then there's this part of my life which is like you are steadfast in this and it just it's like a really good sense of feeling but then it's also quite amazing to think that like 
I've taught myself this. There's nobody who can't learn this then. I think that's always a thing that I think is like, I, I like my teaching ethos is like, I just genuinely, you know, I know everybody's different and we all have all of our kind of different barriers and backgrounds and, you know, propensities to skill and stuff. But there's just a deep seated part of me given how I've learned everything, there's just certain that like, you just need to find whatever the like, the like block is, there's a block in you somewhere and we just need to find it and move it. Like I have complete constant confidence that everybody's capable of doing the thing that they're trying to do. And that it's just, you just need to find the thing that's blocking that. Um, and I think teaching for me is just a constant desire for people to recognize that like, you can actually do this. Like. I actually just like did this. You can actually do this. Like if I could do this, you can definitely do this because this is actually wild. Um, and that's that's kind of what I get out of it and that what I'm always trying to do with it is to just constantly just demonstrate that all of this, like 90% of what you're battling is yourself. Like it's not the actual discipline that you're, you know, you're, you're, no one's better than you. Like everyone's different. No one's like, you're not, you know, you're not somehow inferior. There's just that, that stuff is just not real. It's actually just not real. And we just need to figure out how you can see that in yourself and then make your art. So I guess the first part is just that idea that like, no one's better than you. No one's magically like superior to you. That's just a myth. And then the second part is the actual most important thing is that your voice, your art is the thing that's more important than everything else. So it's like, once you get that blockage out of the way, all you now need to do is make your own art because nobody else can make your art. Nobody else can have your voice. Nobody else can have your perspective. Nobody else can have that. And that's actually the thing that you should be focusing on is like your voice is like, that's the thing. Nobody can replicate that. Nobody can do what you do because you are who you are and you are a voice. And that's, that's actually the, the gemstone here not the technical things that you know, not the number of years of experience. Like, it's literally like, who are you and what does your art sound like? And it would be like those two things that like, all we've got to do is get you to a technical place to just make your own art. That to me is like, those are the two things. It's like, no one's better than you because nobody else is you. And you can absolutely do this. We just need to figure out why you think you can't. And now we've got that out of the way what do you sound like? <laughs> that's all we need. We just need to hear what you sound like. And that's kind of all that I just want people to take away. It's like, don't worry about what anyone else is doing because that's not the point of the game. The point is, what is you? What do you sound like? And that's just, and that, I think that kind of ties into why I kind of do the, teach the kind of things that I teach and do the kind of things that I do is because I'm also trying to get people whose voices, as we said earlier, aren't heard to just be like, it's really important that your voice is heard. How can I support that? How can I, you know, help that voice to come out and be its own thing? Because we need to hear it. We all want to hear it. Nobody else can hear it. Nobody else can, can make it. So let's do this. Let's figure out how to get that voice heard kind of thing. And then it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's such a beautiful message, actually. It's really, uh, it's really inspiring. It's, uh, <laughs> thank you for that. I got to the end of my question list. So I just really want to thank you for your time because this was super interesting. And I think to being able to like 
take a bit of a dive into the uh, the DJ environment and the job and and what it's like for you and also the live performance and theater environments. It's uh, it's pretty amazing and I'm sure you you'll inspire many students to like explore those worlds. I'm absolutely sure about it. So yeah, thank you so much and uh, hope to meet you at some point. Great, thank you so much for having me.